Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. It's Friday. It is Friday. And you're still here. And you are too. Here we are. Here we are. (laughs) Here we are. Yeah, I tell you what, I've really enjoyed talking about Matthew chapter 2 this week on Text Talk. As you we said it was one of your favorite chapters. Are rolling, well, yeah, it is. We're rolling into uh, the weekend here. Love love the weekends because we get to come together with God's people and worship on the Lord's Day. We're looking forward to that. If you're in the Tampa area, come out, worship with us. We'd love to meet you. All the information about that is at the website, christiansmeethere.org. Christiansmeethere.org. So, Edwin. Andrew. Let's uh, let's read from Matthew chapter 2 one last time this week. Yeah, we'll read the last half of this chapter. I'm going to read verses 13 through 23. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Now, when they had departed, referring to the wise men. The wise men. When they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. We've spent a little bit of time talking this week about Herod the Great, how it would be better, safer, to be his pig than his son. Yikes. That's what the Jews knew about him. Uh, Just absolutely ruthless and brutal. Uh, We've talked about how this reminds us or echoes the evil Pharaoh in Exodus who was committing infanticide and killing all of the, the Hebrew children because he was setting up his face and power against God and against God's people. Um, Herod just fits some archetypes here for evil kings. <laughs> what, something that and ju- what a contrast between the true king of the Jews who's being born here. <laughs> good, good point. You, you got that point. going on. One of the things that just jumped out at me, again, this is this is like, oh, I've read this story again and again and again. So there's some details that, of course, you pointed out some details we've missed in the past because we just yeah. read it again and again. Right. But yeah. here's one, you know, I've just kind of read through and it has not been all that significant to me. I understand that this is not quite like in Acts where the Herod that kills James and Peter gets eaten by worms. But by the end of this story, there's the guy who's trying to kill the Messiah, and where is he by the end of this story? That's right. He's dead. He's the one that's dead. Mm -hmm. The Messiah has survived. And again, it wasn't because the Messiah took up a sword and slaughtered him, and it wasn't because there was some kind of 
miraculous, at least as far as we can tell, or is even recorded here, some type of miraculous thing that like, happened that God did directly. It's just, look, I've got a king. He's going to survive. You're going to die. Uh, I can't remember if we've talked about this on uh, on air or not, but this chapter also does set up where the authorities are going to be working to kill Jesus as we go along. Oh, yeah. We'll come back to that. And even that name Herod's going to keep cropping up. Oh, man. Yeah. So it's a theme. Yeah. It's a theme. It's a theme. In Matthew. Introduced here. I mean, you, you, you may not have picked up on it in your readings before. <laughs> we just want you to know <laughs> you're going to find a theme in Matthew of the Jewish leaders are trying to kill Jesus. Yes, you are. It'll come up again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... However, so, in this one, yeah, we bring up a prophecy. We're back a prophecy. to a prophecy That's right. again. So Herod comes into Bethlehem and the surrounding regions again because he believes the prophets. He believed the prophets, and he had ascertained from the wise men about when they saw the star, which just to kind of reinforce tells you if he's killed all these children age two and under, right, this— the wise men weren't there the night that Jesus was born. Doesn't but look like it. It doesn't seem that they're whisking away three-day-old Jesus. Well, we okay. know that's not the case yeah. because we can go to Luke and find out that they actually have to go to the temple on that's day right. eight. And he gets circumcised and mm-hmm. all those kinds of things are mm-hmm. happening. So uh, he's he's actually been in Jerusalem and come back to Bethlehem. But there's this prophecy. There's this prophecy that comes from Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 15. We've hit on a lot of prophecies this week, and we've actually seen some very significant ways in which these prophecies are used. So we we had the one from Micah chapter 5 where it was, okay, here's a statement, here's a promise, here's a foretelling of an event. We know when this Messiah comes, this is where he's going to be born, so go look there. The scribes who were students of the law had discerned this. They're studying it. We've set up our Excel spreadsheet of promises about the Messiah, of events and things that are supposed to happen in connection with him, and boom, this one gets checked out. That was one they were looking for. Then we talked about Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1 that actually doesn't quite measure up to that. It is not a promise or a foretelling of the Messiah in that same way. Not one that they'd be looking for. But what it shows us is that Jesus fulfills more than just these checklisted statements. He fulfills the prophets. Yeah. He fulfills promise. He fulfills the very story of Israel. Now we've come to another prophecy. We've got him referencing Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 15. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Now in that context, that is talking about Babylonian captivity. That is talking about, you know, we have a psalm that everybody gets all upset about where the psalmist talks about, I want you to dash their children against the rock. I want you, and we, oh my goodness, how can we have this kind of implication? Well, the reason why there's that implication is because that is what the Babylonians did to the children's, uh, the the Israelites' children, the Judeans' children. In that psalm, it's due to them what they did to us. That's right. And so we've got Jeremiah talking about this weeping that is going on in God's country because the children are no more. But we back up a little bit and think, well, wait, why choose Rachel for that? What's what's the imagery behind why would Rachel be the one on this? What what do you think? Well, what I remember about Rachel from the Old Testament is that she was the one that Jacob, the great patriarch, Jacob, that was the one he loved. Mm -hmm. That when he made his arrangement to work for Laban, his uncle, 
his uncle Laban for years. It was to marry her. And I believe it was seven years of servitude yes. before he could marry her. So that's that correct. That was a very long courtship. Of course, then on the night when they're finally going to have the wedding, Laban pulls the old okey-doke on, uh, on Jacob and, uh, and marries off the older sister Leah. And, and says, oh, well, if you really want to marry Rachel, I guess you can marry her now, but you're going to need to work another seven years, which Jacob is willing to do. There's this dynamic then between Jacob and these two sisters that he's married to. Leah keeps trying to gain this love of Jacob, keeps having children, keeps having sons, but Rachel cannot. And it's a, a source of sorrow and weeping, right? So, so we've got Rachel mourning because she wants kids and doesn't kids. have them. Finally, she has a son named Joseph, another one named Benjamin. It is in... However... Right. You remember, what did she want to name Benjamin? Oh. Do you remember? Ah, I put you on the spot. Benoni. Benoni. The son That's of right. Jacob my, wouldn't do it. That's right. The son of my Tears, sorrow. right? Sorrow. Because she actually dies in childbirth. That's right. That's with, right. And, and Jacob can't says, no, no, I'm not going to call him that. He changes it to Benjamin, the son of my right hand. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. So here's Rachel, can't have kids, finally has kids, and it kills her. And so when we've got Jeremiah, this prophet, yeah. talking about the weeping, and he uses Rachel's name, he, he, he calls to mind this matriarch of the people who had been barren, spent a mm -hmm, lot of time weeping mm -hmm, because she mm -hmm. had no children. Yeah. Then she then gets children, she does. and it kills her. Yeah. And here we've got these descendants and her children that she did have essentially are now being killed by the Babylonians. Yeah. And so she is weeping because back to that kind of barren spot again. It's point out, too, that it's Ephraim. Those, that's one of Joseph's two sons, right? It's Ephraim and Manasseh. Mm -hmm. So you do have this, this kind of linear deal, a reason why we're going back to this particular matriarch, Rachel. Well, again, I think the I I mean, I guess I think the reason is because it just pulls out that issue of yeah. the weeping. Yeah. But you know what? Maybe we're not supposed to just read this verse. What if we kept reading mm. in this prophet? What in if Jeremiah. what if because of what Matthew says, we mm -hmm. pull out the scroll of Jeremiah and we go back and we look to see if these things are so and we kept reading and it says in verse 16, "Thus says the Lord, Keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your sh children shall come back to their own country. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Could you, verse 16 says they shall come back from the land of the enemy. The enemy. Wow, because by the time we got done reading Matthew chapter 2, they've come back yeah. from Egypt, and it is Herod who has died. It is Herod who's passed away, the Herod who'd done these evil things. When Matthew tells us this is to fulfill what Jeremiah 31 verse 15 is about, he is actually pointing a marker forward. Hey, guys, if, if, if killing these children here is fulfilling Jeremiah 31 15, 
you need to get ready for Jeremiah 31, 16 through 18. Mm. Now, he's not saying that those particular children in Bethlehem are going to come back from the dead at that point. Right. He's not saying that. But we do find that the one they were trying to kill, Mm -hmm. who goes into the land of the enemy, he does come back. And this does set the stage for how ultimately he dies, goes into death, the Mm -hmm. land of the enemy, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And he conquers death, and he comes back. And, of course, do you know what that has accomplished then for all those children that were killed at his birth? Yeah, they have life everlasting They will come back. That's right. They will come back. They will be resurrected. And so here's this prophecy that there's actually, again, there's more to it. It's not just, hey, let me find this sentence back here. It's, you know, let's go back and read that. What is this telling us? This is telling us, yes, she's weeping, she's crying, but I want you to know you really don't need to weep and cry. Because this isn't the end of the story. Yeah, when I read Jeremiah 3 and verse 17, there is hope in your future, says the Lord. How powerful is that? And how important is that when we have when we have moments of utter loss, disappointment, betrayal? I mean, there's lots of reasons why we weep. And yet there is a hope and there is a future because of Christ. This is all setting up. We've got this beginning of this story where we have this attempt to kill Jesus. He's taken off into enemy territory. He comes back. We're going to come to the end of the story in 26 weeks from now. He's going to be taken. He's going to come back. And that's where hope is. Mm -hmm. There's no need to cry and weep today. It's been a great week in Matthew chapter 2. Amen. I, I've, I've gotten a lot out of these prophecies. and I hope, hope I've been able just to expand my mind and, and yours and those listening to, to grasp just the depth and the beauty of this prophetic fulfillment and kind of mm-hmm. expand it beyond the checklist and just see that Jesus is, is an amazing, amazing fulfillment of all that came before him, pointing toward him. He is the central figure of all history. And we need to bow before him. In fact, how about we wrap up today like that? Our great God and Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this week. Thank you for Jesus. God with us, Emmanuel. Thank you, Father, for this inspired record. Father, of of the events that transpired, these amazing and miraculous events transpiring in, in his birth and in his young life. And, and yet to see, Father, how, how you'd been sharing and, and forecasting and prophesying in various places how these things would come to pass. We thank you, Lord, for the inspiration that you gave Matthew by your Holy Spirit to write these things down and write them correctly and make these things clear to us. And Father, may it shape our hearts and shape our minds, particularly that we might appreciate this day that there is future and there is hope despite a moment of sorrow, despite a moment of tears, future and hope in Christ, in his resurrection. He lives. Father, help us to live for him today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song, You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. 
Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.